Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again everybody and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by ACR, America's card room where coming up at the end of this month, January 2023, we have a $10 million Venom tournament. It's one of the biggest tournaments in the online universe, or one of the biggest tournaments in the poker universe. So check that out on America's Card Room. You can click the link in the description of this podcast and sign up using the code TPE. And you can receive a 100% first-time deposit bonus up to $2,000. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in New York City. Joined this week by the founder, the legendary head honcho of (laughs) Tournament Poker Edge. and We haven't had him on for a while. Welcome back to the podcast. Original host of the podcast, by the way, Derek Killing Bird Tenbush. How are you, Derek? I'm doing great, Clayton. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Happy New Year. In the last episode, I was talking about uh, whether or not I was able to accomplish the goals that I had set for myself in 2022. Some of them I fell short. Some of them I greatly exceeded. What about you? Are you a goal setter? Are you a resolution kind of guy? What's your story with the New Year? Yeah, I used to be like very good about setting goals and in particular poker goals life goals not so much <laughs> um but i used to be really good about poker goals and then life just got so crazy uh to where i wasn't playing as consistently as i would have liked and stuff like that so it got more difficult and it kind of sucked because people will ask me like hey you know I'm, I'm working on you know my goals for the new year or whatever They're like you know and i'm like oh well what do you you know what are you what are you trying to do They're like well i want to study more and i want to put in more volume and i'm like stop 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 you can't have like these general like willy-nilly goals. You got to be very specific. Like I'm going to study ten hours a week, or I'm going to play three tournament sessions a week, or whatever your you know whatever works for your lifestyle. Um, but that's the main thing I always tell people is that very concrete, actionable goals. I'm terrible about it, um, <laughs> but I but I have I do have some things in my mind, and I haven't actually put them pen to paper yet. Um, but in my case, <clears throat> because my life continues to be incredibly chaotic and busy, and I don't have the ability to always build a grind when I would like to. Like in the good old days, I could just be like, oh, I, I play every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday or whatever. But now it's much more up in the air. Um, but my goals are, are less, I guess, this year about the, my actual poker play as much as it is about... Um, Helping to grow my Twitch stream, uh, working to grow this this new Tournament Poker Edge Discord community that we're building and this relationship with ACR. So I have a lot of ideas related to that, which I have not put pen to paper on. Um, but that's kind of where my goals are living right now. And I'm hoping that by default, those will raise my poker game as well. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, by, by talking hands with the TP listeners in the Discord or by talking about hands on my Twitch stream with people, that that's going to at least help me improve my game a little bit. So well, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't see how it could not improve your game. You know, you're thinking about poker, you're playing 
on a fairly regular basis. And yeah, I mean, the Discord is fire right now. We've got like a lot of lively discussion. Um, kind of what we always wanted the uh, forums on TPE to be is kind of what the Discord is basically becoming. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because a friend of mine hit me up the other day and he's like, hey, you know, where where are the good forums now for uh, cash poker discussions? And I said, well, I don't really know about cash game poker anyway. Um, but I said, for the most part, I think forums are not where the discussions are happening anymore. Yeah, they kind of, in a way, went to Skype groups anyway, like two or three years ago. Uh, that's certainly when we noticed the the sort of transition from forums to another platform, and now I think it's all in Discord. It, Discord is just too perfect of a platform for this for this sort of discussion to happen, um, for it not to have taken over. I mean, you know, forums are like the AOL of, <laughs> of poker now. Yeah, it kind of feels like yeah, like a message board or something that's just sort of uh, outdated, right? But speaking of being consistent, every Sunday. In the month of January, we're going to be having our own TPE free roll for podcast listeners on ACR. And so you want to get in the Discord where you can get all the details about that. We're going to be using the Discord to share the password. Click the link. We're putting a link in the uh, description of this podcast, guys. Uh, Sunday at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a TPE free roll. And so, yeah, further details. Derek, you're going to be uh, kind of hosting this on your uh, Twitch platform, so that's a great way for you to grow it. Um, but yeah, we need we need people to know about this, so hit up the Discord, join, and you'll be glad you did. Absolutely, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to um, another excuse to get on the Twitch stream and 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 talk to the community. And you know, I'm. I- I will be hosting. I think, you know, on occasion you'll be joining me. I'm going to try to get some of the other TPE guys to join us too, just to kind of hang out and talk, even if it's just for a little bit. Um, so I think it's going to be kind of fun. It's another, just another way to sort of bring the community together. But I'll also be doing some fun giveaways. You know, I'll probably throw a bounty on your head. I'll probably throw a bounty on my head. Uh, we'll make it interesting. Yeah. Well, this Sunday I'm going to be showing off my new avatar. ACR gave me a Clayton avatar. So you. <laughs> I'm just going to be using that that feature where I can throw stuff at you the whole time. I want to throw stuff at your new avatar. Yeah. He looks like someone you would want to throw stuff at. I look, I'm really happy with the uh with the avatar and the you know, the art department at ACR did an amazing job of creating a very lifelike Clayton image, but he looks kind of cocky. Like I definitely <laughs> I want to throw stuff at him for sure. So I I think everybody else will. Also on Sundays they're doing this thing where you can win um, a package to go over to London and compete in something called the festival, and that's all free roll as well. So I guess January is kind of like a free roll sort of month, right? Yeah, I opened up the uh, the lobby today to check uh, to actually see if our free roll is in there yet, and I just noticed this incredible list of free rolls. There's all in our full free rolls. Free rolls. There's this festival leaderboard that's happening where essentially you play a free roll every Sunday. You earn leaderboard points, and then the top uh, point getter in that leaderboard um, gets a package uh, to this the festival over in uh, in England. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, especially for the people who are in that neighborhood. But certainly, if you're looking to travel, because it does include seven nights of hotel plus your buy-in, um, probably some other bells and whistles. I'm sure they're going to hook you up with tons of ACR gear to wear there. So, it's a it's a pretty cool opportunity for exactly zero dollars. Very good. 
So we haven't really talked uh, very much in the last few months. The last I think we, we spoke, you were maybe heading to Cherokee. Did you end up going? I did, in fact. I played my first live poker of 2022 uh, just as 2022 was ending. So that was pretty exciting. Um, it was just kind of a couple of guys. Uh, we, we went more as a guy's trip, but definitely to play some poker as well. So I played two of the WSOP circuit events. Neither were super eventful. I went pretty fairly deep in the first one. I, I want to say we were maybe 20 or 30 from the money, but... Um, I'll save everyone the bad beat story, but we took a little bad beat. I, I laughed on my Twitch stream and told people that I was really glad my my buddy Jim was uh, standing behind me when I busted because then I didn't have to tell anybody the bad beat story. He just told everyone <laughs> the bad beat story for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always good. Um, but it was fun, you know. I had a good time. They were, you know, the circuit events are pretty relatively low buy-in events, so it was kind of a nice way to get my my toes wet again um, and just hang out. And it was cool too because I got to see Carlos while I was out there. Um, I didn't even know he was in in town, but uh, I think I was at the roulette table or the craps table, probably after busting the tournament. And uh, <laughs> also there was a tap on my shoulder, and I turned around and I'm like, oh, it's Carlos. It's like I'm back in Vegas again. Yeah, and Carlos, of course, now the uh, co-host of the Thinking Poker podcast, bracelet winner Carlos Welch. So, uh, and he is probably to this day, I would say, the number one tournament poker edge success story. Yeah, such a great story, and it was so awesome to see. And we caught up on. I mean, we every time we get together, we just we talk and laugh about the good old days in the in the TP house, hanging out in Vegas, how we met. Um, just some of the funny stories around that. So it was it was super good catching up with him. I mean, this is a guy who used to live in a van, and now he gets to work with Andrew Brokus every day. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it was funny, too, because another one of my buddies, Andrew Piper, was there. Um, and I'm sitting there talking to them, and I introduced them to a couple of my friends. And it dawned on me as I was kind of letting people know who these two guys were that they both live in their cars. I mean, Carlos... <laughs> Carlos has kind of stepped his game up, you know. He's he's like living in in thirty dollars hotel rooms now, so he's he's moved up the ladder a little Definitely, bit. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when 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 in need, he's still got the uh, the old Prius to sleep in. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty funny though, because everyone's like, "Do all your friends just live in their cars and play poker?" And I'm like, "Yeah, pretty much." You're like, "Yeah, that's that's my level. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's where I'm at in life." <laughs> I only hang out with semi-homeless people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good trip. I um, It kind of encouraged me a little bit to maybe try to play some more. You know, the circuit event comes to Cherokee quarterly now, I think. Um, so I might try to make another one out there in April. A couple people have asked me about that. Um, and then I may have had a few beers when I committed to this, but I did get a couple people on my stream that had asked me about a TPE meetup in Vegas this summer. They want me to bring it back. And I may have said yes. I need to go back through the, the VODs and see if I actually said yes or if I said maybe. But wow. uh, I had a few people tweet about tweet at me about it. So uh, I must have somehow committed to something that I didn't mean to. But, um, you know, if that's what it takes to peer pressure me into getting the TPE meetup back together, then that's what we got to do. The one thing we can say for sure about TPE, Head Honcho, Derek, Killingbird, Tenbush, if he commits to something, he does it. 100%. So if you committed, I'm sure we'll see you in Vegas. You did not make it out there last summer. Um, you also didn't make it out there last month for what was the most ridiculous <laughs> festival at the win. That was unbelievable. The WPT Championship was one of the best-run 
tournament series I've ever witnessed in my life. It reminded me of the Aussie Millions in terms of just how efficient it was and how professional everybody was. Just the level. They really raised the bar. I mean, I wish you could have been there. It was great. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me a bit because they just do such a great job there uh, year in and year out. So that's not surprising to me. But uh, I know for sure uh, the, the Twitter, the poker Twitterverse was a fire about it. Everyone was loving it. Yeah, I mean, it was first class. And uh, I actually, um, you know, I enjoyed playing. I, I ended up not playing in the main event. I talked about this on the podcast. But, yeah, I basically just I didn't feel like I got enough sleep and I didn't feel excited to play. And I didn't feel like my head was screwed on right that day. And I just decided to forego the 10K, you know, and that's, I guess, a good thing about not having backers or yeah. whatever, you know, if you, if you sell action, you might feel like, well, these people are counting on me. I, you know, I got to play for them. But in this case, I, I could just say, well, I'm going to do something else. I slept in, just like made it more of a social day. So no regrets about that. I think I basically would have been punting $10,000 because <laughs> I just wasn't in the right headspace. You know, some days you wake up, you're in a bad mood. To me, it's like the first indicator is if like, you know, if, I, if I'm in the hotel and I get in the elevator and somebody makes an offhanded comment and it annoys me, <laughs> yeah. like I'm already in a bad mood. I haven't even started playing yet. I'm already grouchy. I'm like, all right, that's a bad. So I'm just going down to get some coffee. And this guy makes this little joke. Like if it stops on three floors in a row, he's like, I guess we're taking the local. Yeah. <laughs> right, like a little joke yeah. like that. Yeah, like if I'm in a good mood, I'll be like, yeah, that's kind of funny. you know. And just uh, imagine imagine how you'd feel after the seventh bad joke at the poker table. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I can't be around people today. I need to just like, you know, I need to take care of myself. So that's I smart not too. to play that. Yeah. I mean, there's... I guarantee you there's many people who, especially when it's the last event of a big series like that, they feel obliged to play. Like, they have to play. Well, I came all the way here, you know? Not, I, this is the why I'm This is why I'm out here. i got to go play this tournament. You never have to play. You know oh. what I came out here for. Who cares about the main event? I'm here for the mystery bounty. That's right. <laughs> and I ended up cashing in that. Didn't, didn't collect a bounty, but I min-cashed in that. And I also min-cashed in a little, I think it was a $600 Venetian tournament. So... Um, you know, just a, a modicum of very, very minor tournament success. Um, I also played, I don't even think I talked about this on the podcast, but last month I played in my first ever Milestone Satellite. I was trying to satellite into that main event, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Have you ever done one of those? Do you know what it is? No, no, I'm not familiar. Okay, so it's like normally in a satellite, you just have to be one of the last let's say 18 people and and they all get a seat to whatever the big event is right yeah. but in this type of format you can either get your seat the traditional way or if you reach a certain milestone like i think in ours it was if you turned your 20k starting stack into 240,000 chips or more you just got a seat that's it uh, so almost it's almost like a cash game satellite Kinda. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> of a hybrid. Lines. <laughs> yeah, it, so it rewards people that don't want to just try to like outfold each other. Um, I lasted pretty, you know, got pretty deep in one of them, but yeah, I never got close to the milestone. I think the most I ever had was maybe like a hundred and forty thousand. Um, so I would have had to get another hundred thousand. It is possible, but. The way people play in satellites nowadays, mostly very, very timid, trying to keep the pots as small as possible. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, but yeah, yeah, that was fun. It and probably just, doesn't yeah. fit your style very well. Yeah, I mean, it's not natural for me, but I've I've had a lot of success in satellites. Back in the old days, on Cake Poker, one year I won three live seats in the same week. Oh, jeez. In satellites, yeah. <laughs> I ended up playing in all these tournaments, <laughs> going on all these trips. One of them was the Aussie Millions. That was the first first time I ever went to Australia. That's yeah. amazing. Shout out to Cake Poker and Lee Jones and all the guys. <laughs> I played on that site. One of the, I there aren't many that I haven't played on, and that but that is definitely one of them I did play on, and it was pretty fun. Yeah, no, I was an animal on Cake Poker. I was always on that back in the good old days, in the heyday before yeah. anybody knew what GTO stood for. <laughs> they thought it was a, like an old Mustang car or something. Yeah, exactly. But enough reminiscing. Let's talk about my goals. Um, I want to I want to see if you think these goals are specific enough because you already said that you advise people how to make goals but you're not good at following that, that your own <laughs> yeah. advice so that's right so these are my goals for 2023 you know last year I ended up playing 57 live tournaments and this year I'm gonna play 80 now you know probably wow. about half of them will be in the summer in Vegas when I'm just gonna be a tournament machine right. But outside of that, I want to find 40 other live tournaments, you know, in Vegas or Atlantic City, which is pretty close to where I live, or, you know, Foxwoods. Keep my chops up. You know, historically, my best game has been live MTTs, so I need to get back to to doing that, which is going to be hard. My comedy career is going well. I got a lot of irons in the fire in different areas of my life, but I think I can make this happen if I really commit. I'm also committing to 300 online tournaments. All right, now that'll include the TPE free roll on Sundays in January on ACR. Any other online tournaments I decide to fire. I don't usually like to play more than five or six at a time, so I'm not one of these guys that can fill up a whole, you know, gigantic monitor with the 32 <laughs> tournaments. I mean, I think some people could probably do 300 tournaments in a month, right? That's yeah. that's just not me. So I think 300 is a good goal for me online. I also want to spend 200 hours studying poker, whether that's reading a book, watching a video, working with a coach. I feel like even though my results last year weren't as good as they could have been, my game was actually sharper than it's ever been because mm -hmm. I, I did put in a lot of hours. So uh, your thoughts on these goals so far, Derek? I think those are very reasonable. I obviously don't know how much you currently play online, um, but you know, based on what little I do know, I still think that's very accomplishable. Um, and you could always up your volume a little bit, like you said. You know, if you if you're getting towards the end of the year and you feel like you're not you're not getting there, you could add a couple more tables or a few more days into the mix. So I think that's very doable. And live wise, I mean, especially if you're going to put in that much volume in the summer, I think the rest of it's pretty reasonable. I one thing I'm not that in tuned with is how much, how many series are happening. I you know I know obviously things phased out during the pandemic, but everything's kind of opening back up. I don't know how many of these rooms have started running full on series. Like back in the day, it was like Turning Stone had like series every other month, and Falls View and all these other places constantly had them. Um, I don't know if that's still the case. I know I feel like whenever I go to Atlantic City, they don't have a series running. <laughs> yeah, well, they just brought it back. They, it's actually going on, as we record this, the return. It's the first live event at Borgata since 
before the pandemic. Wow, okay, nice. So, they, yeah. they always ran a really good series, too. I will say that. Oh, yeah, and this time they had a mystery bounty. They had a, a 5K main event with, I think, a $3 million guarantee. So, yeah, I mean, they're back in full force, and like nice. most of the players that I ran into out in Vegas last month are now uh, in New Jersey this month for that and gearing up for the Bahamas. I think the LAPC is going on. I think that if I really try and if I schedule my uh, comedy performances uh, correctly, I should be able to you know, go back to my old routine of doing stand-up and then doing a tournament you know, in the same city. Yeah. I wish there was a comedy club in Cherokee, because uh, then you could come to the World Series of Over Circuit event, but there's really nothing in Cherokee except a casino, <laughs> so <laughs> there's not even a bar because I know. it's a dry county, so yeah. uh, you won't find, I mean, maybe the um, the Fairfield Inn lobby has comedy on <laughs> Thursday nights or something, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I could headline the uh, the Fairfield Inn, I mean, yeah. you know, it's not a bad gig, I could actually do it. Um, I actually like that casino a lot. I mentioned before I, I stopped by there. I was on like a little southern tour. I went from Tennessee all the way to South Carolina. And uh, somewhere along the line, I ended up uh, spending a night at the uh, Cherokee. It was nice. Well, worst case, we'll get you uh, to come do a show at our brewery down here. That'll that'll work. Hey, there you go. Comedy night at the brewery. That sounds yeah. perfect. And then we'll just do like a little meetup game. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. All right, so two other goals I want to uh, mention for 2023. 300 hours of live cash games. I mean, I've been looking at my spreadsheets from the last 10 years, and you know, I'm consistently winning in mid-stakes cash games. 510 No Limit, 55 PLO. Uh, you know, I've, I've never had a losing year in these games, so wow. I, I need to get in there and, and you know, play more cash i just enjoy tournaments more but i feel like i uh, i'm going to commit to doing this i definitely got into the live streets at the win oh, one day by the way the uh they have five five plo with a rock and we're not going to talk about cash game hands on this tournament poker edge podcast but the list for this game it was during the main event the list for this game was 497 names wow yeah, it's the longest list I've ever seen. So <laughs> shout out to the win for just breaking all the records. And the last goal I want to mention is 48 episodes of the TPE podcast. That's how many we put out last year, and that's the minimum number I'll be happy putting out this year. You guys know I don't like to take weeks off. I gave you an episode during Christmas break. I gave you one <laughs> right before New Year's. <laughs> We're going to keep it going. 48 is the absolute minimum. I feel the love. You know, the reviews are great. People are happy with the partnership with ACR. And uh, we're going to continue to bring you this content because uh, you guys are the best. Well, I definitely love that one. And you're already one for one. So that's <laughs> a really good start to the year. Yeah, nice good start. Um, I, and I also love the idea of, of mixing cash games in. I um, I have been lamenting on my stream about my, my basically year-long tournament downswing. And some, somebody inevitably always says, well, you should mix in cash games, minimize the variance a little bit. And I'm like, I know, and I really wish I could, but I just don't enjoy them at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you can, uh, you know, you, 
you don't you said you don't enjoy it as much as tournaments, but I presume you still enjoy them to some degree. So at least you can mix those in, um, and you're probably much better at it than me because it is a very different game. Um, and I have not played a hand of cash poker in a year and a half. So wow, not even uh, one hand. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, even at Cherokee, people are like, "Oh, we're gonna go play cash. You want to go?" I'm like, eh, "I think I'll just sit here and watch college football." <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. a tournament. Jo- I just love tournaments. I don't, you know. Well, I, I, I always say I don't know why, but I do know why. It's that, it's that chase for glory, you know. Yeah. It's like the money's cool too, but I just, I just want to win. I want to beat everyone. And we love the pain too, you know. Yeah. The torture. Apparently, I do because <laughs> it was a long 2022. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that you can, uh, you know, get your goals out there. You can put them in the Discord since you don't have them, you know, printed up for us tonight, but. Look, man, I, you know you gotta have goals. And I know you have your distillery and there's you know the other things that that are going on in your life, but you know you you've always been a poker guy, yeah. so a poker guy has to have poker goals. And I think you can make it a concrete like how many subscribers you want to have, or just how many hours you want to spend streaming, something like that, where it's yeah. like a number that you could try to hit. Because I agree with you, you can't be like I I want to study more. You got to put a number on it. Yeah, the good thing is, like, you know, I have really good analytics on all of my streaming from last year, so I have a, a really good sort of base level to go from. Uh, if I think I can up the number, or if I just want to do the same I did last year, uh, you know, I don't think more is always better. So yeah, I don't necessarily have to be like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, stream 20% more hours this year or something like that. But uh, I definitely think there's things to do like that. And in fact, you've inspired me. I will go. Uh, sometime in the next 24 hours, I'll go into the Discord and just start a conversation about about poker goals for 2023. Because I'm sure some of our listeners would like to uh, see what everyone else is doing too. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you're anti Discord for whatever reason, you can also hit us up on Twitter. You know, I'm Clayton Comic. You are at Derek Tenbush, right? On Twitter. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so you can do it there as well. We just we like the Discord because it's a lot more interactive and just more focused on, you know, the things that that we want to talk about. Uh, speaking of focus, another, like, little bit more nebulous goal that I'm setting for this year. It's going to be hard to quantify, but I'll know if I hit it or not. I want to be more focused during the tournaments that I play. Less, you know, Reddit, <laughs> less, you know, surfing. Just a lot more, like, in the hands I'm not playing just paying a lot more attention to the table. And then when the tournaments are over, I want to be more social. Like especially after like a 10-hour session where I end up losing a coin flip to bust the tournament, I tend to just want to go and like either work out or or you know, just go watch TV in my room <laughs> or whatever, yeah. not be around people. I'm going to get away from that this year and just make a really conscious effort to be more social. Well, I was going to say, uh, it sounds like we'll be seeing you at the hooker bar more now uh, this <laughs> summer, but uh, we're not at the Rio anymore, so I can't see you at the hooker bar. So we'll just have to find some other bar to hang out That's at. right. You didn't make it to Bally's <laughs> slash Horseshoe to see that they're, yeah, they have their own version of a hooker bar, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to be drinking more this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. I thought we were going to be hanging out every night. <laughs> but, you know, I can remember years ago, it was just... There was a lot more focus on fun. There were a lot more parties to go to, and a lot of them were sponsored by you know websites like Party Poker and Cake Poker and Poker Stars, Full Tilt. They would all throw the players a big party. Um, in more recent years, 
uh, when it was at the Rio, people would just walk down the street to the Gold Coast and go bowling late at night. The the Gold Coast bowling alley would be open 24 hours. And that was kind of a fun way to blow off steam, maybe have a beer. Forget about it. You know, I don't want to be such a machine. Uh, I do take poker very seriously. I know people know me as a comedian. I'm a fun-loving guy. But, you know, sometimes when I get in that competitive mode, like, I forget to, like, you know, relax and have fun and put a smile on my face and be with my friends. So many people that I'm close to were in the same town, and all of us were so busy playing poker, we kind of forgot to hang out. So I'm I'm not making that mistake in 2023. I'm going to be with you. We're going to do the meetup. I'll be at the (laughs) meetup. We'll record a podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that and make it fun. Um, I am going to be performing, by the way, in Vegas during the World Series of Poker. They did release kind of the bare bones schedule June 2nd and 3rd. It's a Friday and Saturday night. I will be appearing at the Mirage with Jim Jeffries. And you guys can come see Jim Jeffries and me in action on both of those nights. I think there's just one show each night it's part of his uh, world tour that he's in the middle of yeah so I'm going to be opening for him in Vegas on June 2nd and 3rd I'm sure that's not the last time I will mention that here on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) in the next six months but yeah I'm real excited for that gig good way to kick off the World Series for me that'd be cool maybe I can uh, maybe I can plan the meetup like the day before that or the day after or something so that people who want to go to the meetup then we can also all go to your show the night, the next night. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, they're doing something that weekend. I'm sure at one point we'll do a uh, a full look at the WSOP schedule. It's a bit early for that now. But that same weekend is that uh, million-dollar bounty. This is a huge tournament. It's a $1,000 buy-in. It's a mystery bounty-style uh, event where the biggest mystery bounty prize is a million dollars and the minimum is 10,000. Wow. Yeah, so that's going to be a great way to start the uh, WSOP. I can see a lot of guys firing 27, 28 bullets. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> one guy that probably will. <laughs> so, Speaking uh, of mystery bounties and America's card room, I, spoiler alert, there is plans to start having mystery bounty tournaments on America's card room. So. Oh, yeah. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, you know that's going to be fun. Maybe we can uh, eventually get like a, a, a small, you know, buy-in a small buy-in tournament for the tp community that's a mystery bounty because I mean, then you'll be there every week oh yeah that i mean that's how you get me hooked i love the whole format the whole idea all right so all right what else can you commit to we're doing a meetup you're coming to vegas <laughs> um, i better stop now or my wife's gonna yell at me <laughs> she's like wait are you gonna be home at all this year <laughs> i did do one um my wife and i were talking about um New Year's resolutions, and we ended up not really doing any. We did a couple small ones, but I did do one, which is that I want to travel, not necessarily a vacation, but also not like an overnight trip. I want to travel six times this year. So, you know, that might mean going to like the music festival that I go to for a week, or that would include Vegas, or maybe I go to the Super Bowl or whatever. But uh, so I, I am planning to be on the road a lot this year. So who knows how much of that will include poker? We'll find out. That's awesome. Do you think you might leave the country? Yes, in fact, we've actually started uh, scouting out some uh, warm weather trips 
um, meaning, you know, maybe the Bahamas, maybe the Virgin Islands. We were looking at Mexico, but then I just saw there's like a giant, like, gang violence breaking out down there. And I'm like, maybe we'll skip Mexico. <laughs> um, so we're thinking someplace warm, uh, probably March or April. So um, Yeah, I might end up in Florida. Sometimes I end up in Florida around April when there are usually uh, some good things going on, like at the Hard Rock. Um, of yeah. course, if you're going with your wife, maybe you don't want to really necessarily make it a poker trip. Yeah, she's not. She she learned her lesson. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, and it's a short one, unfortunately. Uh, I took her to one poker trip with me, which actually was Cherokee, and I was just going to play one poker tournament, and then we were going to spend the rest of the week doing whatever. And uh, so she, you know, I went down to the casino to play. She got in the car, went hiking, and 15 minutes later, uh, I texted her and said, "I just busted out of the tournament. Come get me." <laughs> And I was so tilted that I couldn't even, I didn't even want to buy back in. So we ended up just, uh, she skipped her hike, I skipped the poker tournament, and we went on a little brewery tour around Asheville. It was great. <laughs> but but she's never gone to another poker trip again since then. <laughs> she learned yeah. her lesson. One and done for her. Yep. <laughs> so. Well, Derek, do you have a hand? I know you've been doing some streaming on twitch.tv slash killingbird. So, uh, you know, what do you got for us? Yeah, so speaking of the Discord, I actually decided to bring this hand to the podcast because I did post this in the strategy section um, of the Discord. And, you know, a few people chimed in and, and talked about it, but no, like, concrete uh, answers came out of it, I guess. We didn't really come to a decision on what was absolutely best. So I thought, you know what, let's just bring it to the podcast. It'll be a good representation of the kind of stuff that we're trying to post up in the Discord. So it's a nice little tie-in. Synergy, as they say in the business world. Oh, we love synergy. <laughs> Who doesn't love some good synergy? So important. <laughs> um, so this is a hand from America's Card Room. Um, as is often the case, the hand replayer doesn't show me what tournament this was from, and I just mark my hands to look back at it. I don't necessarily make notes. So, But I have been playing primarily in like the 660 to 1650 range as of late. So this is probably like a... You know, let's call it an eleven dollar tournament, maybe a sixteen fifty, something like that. Now you were playing higher before we get to the hand. I think this is important. You were playing higher than that, but you've mentioned already a couple times on the podcast that twenty twenty two wasn't a great poker year for you. It seems like you can't, you know, make any final tables, get anything going poker wise. So your yeah. average buy in is going down, and that's actually correct. Like that's what you should do. When you're losing, you should be playing smaller. Don't try to go bigger to get it all back because yeah. that's a re recipe for just going broke, right? Yeah, and it's kind of funny because people ask me this, and this isn't a secret, so I don't mind saying it on the stream. I, I play backed, um, so I have people who pay my buy-ins, and they're like, well, why do you why do you lower your average buy-in if you're playing, you know, you're, you could just get a reload. You're playing with other people's money. And the reason is is that I feel like if I can't, if I'm not beating, say, 33 average buy-ins, then the, the problem is not how much money I have. <laughs> it's not how big my bankroll is. It's that I'm not beating that level of tournament. So I have no problem essentially treating my backers' money as my money and stepping back a little bit and going, okay, let's get let's get our heads straight. Let's start, you know, get a couple of wins under our belt, even if it's like a 330 buy-in tournament or a $5 buy-in. You know, let's, let's get a win, get our confidence up, remind ourselves that we can actually play poker, and then we'll just, you know, then we'll start stepping it back up again. But um, I, I've, over the last year, I've, you know, I've had a few little or medium scores, so I would kind of go back up 
a little bit of my average buy-in, but uh, at the moment I am definitely stepping it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I commend you on that in the same way that you commended me on you know my uh, mature decision to not play the WPT championship because I just wasn't in the right headspace that day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing the right thing too. And you know, it also it sets a good example for the people who are watching me. Um, and I think it's also a it's a really good sign to your backers, you know, like, wow, this guy actually cares. He's trying to do trying to get better, but also not just punt off money to do it. Um, so I think it's a win win. Yeah, I mean I don't really mess with backers, but if I did, I would treat their money like it's my money. I'm afraid that I might yeah, I've I've even when I when somebody has a piece of me, like we swap a percentage or whatever, I I've you know, I've had times when I kind of feel like it affects my play a little bit. I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to explain to this person that I, I try, try to triple barrel bluff, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bluffed away yeah. in the chip lead, you know. Yeah, and I would love to say that I've never had that, that idea in my head, you know, that I that I never played a hand differently because it was somebody else's money. But I guarantee you, I have, and I think that's another benefit of of lowering your buying a little bit is that that is less likely to happen. Yeah, because you know? you're just gonna play as well as you can. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think, it, like I said, I think it's it's a good thing all around. All right, cool. Well, let's do the hand. Cool. So we are at 8,000, 16,000 blinds. Um, I'm pretty sure this would be in the money at this point. Um, we have a little over a half million in ships. So based on what I'm seeing at other stacks at the table and stuff, I'm almost certain we are in the money at this point, but probably not close to a final table. Uh, we have Ace of Spades, Ten of Hearts in middle position. And, yeah, like I said, we start with about a half million in ships. So that's only like 32 big blinds, probably. Yeah. Uh, with Ace, Ten in middle position. It folds to us. Um, and I guess we'll just start right there. I'm kind of curious because I think you, we have many options here. I mean, I think you could c- consider shoving 30 big blinds with Ace, Ten off. Uh, you could also probably fold. Uh, and you could probably also just min-raise. Yeah, I mean, I think I, of those three options, I think folding is okay, but it's a little bit too uh, conservative. You know, we do need to accumulate at some point. I mean, under the gun, I think it's a pretty clear fold. Uh, three folds to me, so we're in, what, the uh, the, the hijack, is it? Uh, middle position plus one, which I guess in this world would be the hijack. Yeah, so, you know... I'm not going to fold ace-10 in the hijack unless the players on my left are all just really aggressive, really tough. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm not really into folding here. And I think shoving is probably slightly plus EV, but definitely not the best play. So mm-hmm. I would probably just go for a, a raise. Maybe a min-raise is fine or maybe a little bigger if you want. All right. Sounds good. That is what I did. I raised to 32000 uh, a straight min-raise. I do tend to actually not do that. I always tend to add a little bit. Um, I don't recall if there was a reason for it in this case. Um, probably not. Probably clicking buttons because that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get two calls uh, from the button and from the big blind. Okay. So there is now 123K in the middle. And the flop comes ace, deuce, four, two spades. Uh, again, we do not have a spade. We have ace, ten, offsuit, but no spade. Right, and we have an SPR of about four. 
Yeah, that sounds right. Let's see, 123. Yeah. So that's a kind of an awkward stack-to-pot ratio to have. Um, there was no real way around it because you, when you start with 30 big blinds or 32 big blinds, it's just hard not to end up with an awkward, you know, SPR. Uh, now here you got two callers, and you know we don't really want to. We do flop top pair, which is great, but we don't really want to get four times the pot in the middle with just one pair. So if yeah. the hand doesn't improve, we're going to need to find a spot to practice pot control at some point in the hand so when the big blind checks to me you know one way to pot control is to just check now another th- way you can handle it is just to do a very small continuation bet right so maybe mm. if you put in like 30,000 it's like a quarter of the pot and then you're really not building a pot that you're going to feel too committed to um, you won't be getting incredible pro, uh, pot odds if somebody shoves on a later street, but you still keep the lead in the hand. So that's what I'm leaning towards, like maybe just a small bet here, like a, a quarter pot bet. Like, yeah, there, there are three to a wheel on the board, so we're not going to be thrilled if we see a five or a tray on the turn, but it's a pretty minor consideration. I don't think the button should have too many small cards in his range. We'd be mostly worried about... You know, getting beat by a straight um, if the big blind happens to have one of those small cards because he was pretty well priced into calling with virtually any two. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would just bet small and then you can get more value from other more speculative hands as well. So, yeah, that's my play. I'm going like, you know, 30K. Yeah, I like that. I, um, I ended up betting 54K, 54.2 to be exact, which I don't think we need to go that big to be honest it's not like it's huge i mean it's still less than half but it i I just i think we get the same job done with like 38 or something can you get called by worse that that's the problem when you bet too big it's just too easy for a hand like i don't know six four of spades so he's got middle pair with no kicker but a backdoor straight and flush draw Mm -hmm. right those are the hands you're really targeting Obviously, worse aces can always call, uh, even if you bet this much. But I think you get a larger um, just universe of calling hands if you go with a smaller sizing. That said, I obviously don't hate this. You have top pair with a decent kicker, and you can get called by worse. Um, But, yeah, I I like to kind of make it a little bit more, uh, just cast a wider net to try to pick up more calls for value from other hands and likewise when I'm bluffing with a hand like King Jack right if I decide to do a C bet into two opponents with a hand that totally missed uh, yeah I can do that smaller sizing and give myself a better price to sometimes take it down as well so you're trying to find that that right amount but yeah I think I don't hate this but I would go smaller yeah alright sounds like we're in agreement there uh, we do get one call uh, from the button, and the other villain folds. So now we are heads up to the turn, 231k in the middle, and we get the queen of spades. So now the board run, or sorry, queen of clubs. Board now reads ace, deuce, four, queen. Still two spades out there. Um, I don't know. What do you think here? I, I'll give you my 
thoughts uh, first, if you want, but happy to hear yours as well. Yeah, you go first. So I think with him being on the button, um, I kind of feel like he he has a pretty wide range, but also he he would have raised hands, I think, for the most part, that we're really that afraid of, meaning mostly bigger aces, ace-queen, ace-king, ace-jack. Uh, especially with me opening off 30. I kind of feel like he would have just raised, got it in, or you know whatever he was going to do. I don't see him flatting a lot of those hands, so I, I, I kind of feel like there's a lot of smaller ace-x. Obviously, we, we blocked the ace, um, but there's also flush draws. So I kind of want to bet... I don't know... I don't know how to describe this exactly, but I want to bet to protect against flush and straight draws. So if he does have spades or he has like five six or something like that, I kind of want to protect against those, but also get some value from aces that we beat, if that makes sense. Um, so I like I like leading here again, um, but I can also see value in checking. Uh, partially maybe for pot control like you mentioned, but maybe also just to get him to bluff some of those hands. Yeah, I like the uh, hand reading here. I do think that for most opponents, even in a smaller stakes buy-in, like a $6 tournament, most opponents will be three-betting on the button with a hand like ace-jack, ace-queen, ace-king. So if he's got one pair, then we we're good, right? I misspoke earlier. I didn't realize we had a flush draw on the flop. So in my example hand, I had a 6-4 suited, which would have been impossible. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> With the four spaces already on the board. So just clean that up before somebody uh, emails me about it. Um, yeah, I was thinking more like a backdoor kind of scenario there. When yeah. we're trying to look at our value targets um, for the smaller sizing on the flop. But yeah, now here on the turn, you're unlikely to be up against two pair or ace jack or ace king so uh we should have the best hand most of the time we're mostly concerned about pocket fours pocket deuces Mm -hmm. right which is a you know just a few combos so in all likelihood our hand is still good i am still concerned about the large spr there aren't that many opponents against whom i want to get all in for this many chips with just ace 10 on this board i just feel like most players will be able to get away from hands that you know that don't have us beat for that many chips Mm -hmm. right so i guess for that reason i think i would prefer checking and yeah i'm pretty much calling any bet i'm checking to induce also you know what are the chances that he's just going to flat on the flop when he flops a flush draw, right? So if he called you pre-flop with a hand like king, ten of spades, and then you bet half the pot on the flop, or a little less, I think a, a, you, a lot of players would would uh, would raise you right then and there as a semi-bluff. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I, we can probably minimize that hand a little bit for that exact reason. Um, and I also think... So what we ended up doing, we bet 101k, uh, and the villain just called, which I also kind of think this now even even more eliminates a bigger ace 
because I kind of feel like they would look at this bet and say to themselves, okay, he's pretty much committed himself now, um, and they would shove. Yeah, yeah, you do appear to be pot committed. I mean, it doesn't seem like you're concerned about your SPR or trying not to put too many chips in. You know, the problem with the SPR 4 is like at this point, you've put in so many of your chips that what would you do if, if he does shove on the turn? Are you are you really bet folding after we've already put in, you know, uh, 190,000 of our 500,000? Right. Right? Yeah, and to be honest, I don't know that I had a much of a plan for that. <laughs> Other than that, I was so trusting in my read that he had ASEX. Um that I think I would have just called and accepted my, my fate if I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, it certainly does feel that way, Derek. It, it does feel like he's got, you know, exactly what you think he has, like an ace, I don't know, ace eight, ace nine, suited, probably suited. But even then, don't a lot of players three bet those? I don't know. I don't play... Uh, you know, smaller stakes tournament that often, but at least in the games that I normally play, if I open for middle position, anybody with a suited ace on the button who wants to play is usually going to three bet. No. Yeah, I would think so. Um, so we're maybe, running out of maybe, hands that we could put him on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe slightly less often at this buy-in range, but still a, a pretty good majority of the time, in my humble opinion. Okay. So if that's your humble opinion, then are we trying to get are we trying to get value from like an offsuit ace eight or something like what's yeah I think so uh, I mean because now I mean at this point ace eight is well I should say there's like four or five hands we beat, right? Like five, ace five, ace six, ace seven, ace eight, if we're that confident he has those. So we're putting, we're, we're, it's kind of like we're, we're really minimizing what he can have down to like four hands. Ace tray, right? That's another one. Yeah. Uh, and then the flush draws. And I, do you think he makes it this far with like kings or queens? I'm thinking not with how confident I'm looking in my hand at this point. Yeah, I mean, you you didn't bet that small. So, I mean, one good thing about making the uh, you know larger sizing, going with a larger sizing, does help you define your hand and your opponent's hand. Just because they can't be splashing around if you're charging them that much, mm-hmm. right? You're basing you're basically betting half the pot on both the flop and the turn. You know, a little less in both cases, but essentially about half, right? So you're offering a little better than three to one in that case on a call, and I really can't just be fooling around with like, you know, jacks on the turn when there's an ace and a queen out there. Like we could pretty much eliminate those hands, especially given what I know about your general playing style. You're just not really a splashy guy. Like you're probably mostly going to have it when you when you do this mm-hmm. yeah i think that is accurate and i will say you don't tend to run because so many people play these smaller binds with such huge fields you don't necessarily always assume that people are familiar with your play right 
But they still might be, and even if they're just running a HUD, they'll probably know. Yeah, and you've been sitting here for a while now. Like you say, you're in the money. You're not near the final table. It's not like these players haven't been playing with you for at least a couple of hours mm-hmm. at this point. And by then, even from that kind of a sample size, you get a feel for whether someone is uh, you know, really loose aggressive or if he's mostly been kind of chilling, waiting for good spots. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned now like that he's slow playing a big hand uh, and, and because I'm having trouble putting him on ace-x that we can beat that isn't suited, that didn't 3-bet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard. Yeah. It's like we're getting really optimistic about what we want this guy to have. Um, you know, maybe he decided to just call on the flop with a flush draw. Maybe he would have raised it with a flush draw had you bet smaller. But since your flop bet is about half the pot, he might have said, well, I'll just take the 3-1 to one and see if I can get there. Maybe he's got a queen. Right, if he's got a queen jack of spades, right, for example, mm-hmm. just yep. call on the flop, pick up a pair on the turn, and call again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which kind of makes the river interesting, I think. Um, so yeah, we bet the we bet the hundred one hundred two k they call. So now there's forty four hundred thirty five thousand in the middle. We have three hundred and twenty k behind, and the river is a nine of clubs. So add that to the hands we don't want him to have, ace nine. <laughs> right, right. That was on the list, yeah. So now I think it becomes a question of if we're if we're confident, if we're super confident in our ace X read, um, and hopefully it's not ace nine, then maybe we go for value here. But if we also think that a flush draw is possible and or likely is this a good check spot? Yeah. Okay, so a couple things. Um, just to repeat the board, the flop is ace, four, deuce with two spades, then the queen of clubs on the turn, and the nine of clubs on the river. So basically nothing got there. Um, no drawing hand got there. Yeah. Um, unless you count ace, nine, <laughs> right, or queen, nine, <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, like no obvious draws got there. Um, so that is an argument for checking and trying to induce a bluff. Uh, I'm just not sure, like with your, you know, you only having like three quarters of a of a pot left in your stack. I don't really know if this opponent's going to feel confident bluffing. Um, you know, because if you have an ace, you're probably going to call every time, and you should have an ace a lot when you bet pretty big on the flop and the turn. Yeah. Um, now, your turn bet's not pretty big, but it's not exactly small either. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess given the read, we may as well go ahead and shove. Let's just trust your read here and hope you didn't run into ace nine. You play these tournaments more than I do. If you really feel like a big part of this guy's range can be ace eight offsuit, ace seven offsuit, Ace tray offsuit, and the, those hands don't three bet preflop, but they do call on the button preflop. Yeah, I mean we should target those hands and try to get max value here. Yeah, yeah, I think if if we if we knew that's what he had, uh, then that that we want obviously we want to get as much of that as we can. Um, I think that I 
overcomplicated things. I think I I, th- I thought too hard about this. <laughs> <time>. Okay. <laughs> so my thought was uh, essentially let's combine the two. So let's make a, a really small river bet where we get called by ASEX, but maybe just maybe we get him to punt off with a missed flush draw. I don't think he's ever going to do that. To your point that you just said, I've I look pretty strong in this hand. Um, I don't think he's ever going to punt here. Um, although maybe he calls a small bet with like say Ace Three, but he doesn't call at all. But I don't know for sure. Um, I ended up betting 108k. I think I was also thinking to myself, hey. If he calls and he has me beat, I still got 15 big blinds. I can make a run back in this tournament. But I don't think that's the right logic. <laughs> Actually, Derek, uh, that is perfectly valid. And you'll even see this like in the Super High Roller Bowl. These guys will make that last river bet, saving themselves like even 8, 9, or 10 blinds mm-hmm. rather than shoving on the end, You know, kind of just in case. And, of course, they have to balance that. They have to do it when they have the nuts. They have to do it when they're bluffing. But that seems to be like a pretty common um, strategy and sizing that people are using um, nowadays in the high stakes. So, you know, that's all solver-based and robot versus robot poker. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't hate that logic at all. Um, The issue is if you bet small and he shoves, you have to be able to fold getting, what, 7 to 1 or something, which is going to be really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I kind of wonder in hindsight if I would have. Um, but I, I don't know what we beat if he shoves. Yeah, well, you said if you bet small enough, you might be able to induce a shove. But, yeah, I, I agree with you what you're saying now, which is he's never going to do that. This right. is the wrong tournament for that for that kind of play. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. I I think I like the shove best. I think I love I like my bet second, <laughs> and I think checking is probably the worst option, and I think not a good option. I I just don't think he's gonna bluff very often on the ace high board when you've already bet pretty strong twice. Yep. So yeah, I don't really like checking. I guess given the read and and everything, and of course we don't know for sure what he has. But, yeah, I guess I would probably go all in. And, uh, but just to be clear, I would have kept this pot a lot smaller at some point to not put myself in this position on the right. end anyway. <laughs> but as played, as we always like to say, as played on the river, I guess, given that you got yourself into this mess, we got to see it through. you got to see it through, my dog. Yep. And put it in and hope that he calls with a worse ace. Yep. Uh, and so, like I said, we did bet just over 100K. He calls and shows us Ace Five of Spades. Uh, so we shipped the pot. How this did not get in on the flop, I will never know. Yeah, he flopped top pair and a a straight flush draw. I mean, it's just the best flop in the world for Ace Five of Spades. So yeah, it's odd that that he didn't ever get aggressive on you, or yeah, even was, pre-flop. Uh, I mean, a lot of us include Ace Five suited one of my favorite hands if i'm on the button in his shoes pre-flop uh, this hand is not in my calling range i mean if agreed I th- if i think that derek is so tight i can fold it and if i think that derek is playing like a normal range then this is uh, a big part of my three betting 
three bet bluffing range. I, you know, it, it's just the hand flops so well. <laughs> Case in point, ace <laughs> yeah. four deuce with two spades doesn't, you know, it doesn't flop that every time, but that's, that's the kind of flop you're hoping to catch with a hand like this. So it is peculiar that your opponent never got aggressive with you, but I think that your sizing on the large side prevented him from doing so or encouraged him not to do so, I should say. So, yeah, you might be right. If we had made, if we had done that sort of quarter pot size bet that you suggested, we might have seen a different story. Yeah, you could probably, maybe would have gotten all in on the flop, and you wouldn't even be that big a favorite. And I would have, I, I would have been shocked when I held. Cause I yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least in 2022, you didn't. But it's yeah. a new year. That's and right. All your good hands are going to hold this year. <laughs> new year, new mojo. <laughs> all right. Well, that I is an it. interesting hand, and I can see now. As I'm taking a peek here at the uh, TPE Discord, and again, there's a link to that in the description of this podcast, there's a pretty lively discussion with a lot of people chiming in on this hand and uh, how you played it and what the other options were. And yeah, so we have in the TPE Discord, we have a podcast section, we've got a strategy section, got an ACR section, and a few other good places to make your comments and get the conversation going. So uh, definitely check that out. And of course, uh, join Derek and me this Sunday at 5 p.m. for the TPE free roll on ACR. Uh, And all the details about that will be posted in the TPE Discord. Absolutely. And I'll be streaming a little bit early just so if people want to come in and say hello or get the password from me directly or anything like that, but uh, it will be in the Discord as well. So Yeah, you can jump on early and get involved in some of the uh, many, many free rolls that are happening right now on ACR. It seems like January is a free roll kind of month. And I wish you guys uh, all the best of luck at the tables. Happy 2023, everyone. So for Derek Killingbird, Tenbush, and for all of our friends at America's Card Room, and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun Oh, wow